Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, over recent years, the agricultural sector has faced stinging criticisms from environmentalists about how traditional farming practices are negatively contributing to climate change. However, it has now been suggested that precision fermentation farming may offer farmers a greener way to produce food. Here to tell us more about this new technique is Joel Scott-Hawks from Replanet. Joel, before we discuss this technique and why you believe that it has the potential to revolutionise food production, tell us about your own background. Good morning. Real pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm a environmental campaigner. I'm the campaign director of Replanet. Um, but before that, I was uh, an organiser of civil disobedience. I used to be uh, one of the main coordinators of Extinction Rebellion UK. And I've also been involved in groups like Animal Rebellion. But uh, I've also been involved in the rewilding movement as well. And I've come increasingly to see that if we are going to solve the climate crisis, one of the most important things we've got to do is spare land. We need to free up land so that we can rewild it and draw down carbon out of the atmosphere. And that is what I'm now focused on. And that is one of the big reasons why I'm so interested in precision fermentation. So talk to us about the objectives of the citizen-led group Replanet. So Replanet is a unique new kind of environmental movement in that we are a pro-science group. So essentially what that means is that we see that science and technology can, if used appropriately and controlled by systems, controlled by us, the people, rather than big corporations, be one of the most powerful ways to solve our planetary problems. So that means that actually we find ourselves advocating not just for brilliant things like rewilding, for land sparing, for carbon and climate restoration, but for the technologies that can enable those things to happen very quickly and at scale. So amongst many other things like wind and solar, we support advanced nuclear power, for example, because we believe it's one of the best ways to decarbonize. We also support genetic engineering techniques that can allow things like precision fermentation to happen. And we defend the role of scientists in public discourse. A key campaign for Replanet is Reboot Food. Firstly, why is it necessary to examine the prospect of phasing out animal agriculture in favour of plant-based farming? The facts are very clear that at an absolute minimum, animal agriculture emits more carbon emissions than all our cars, our planes, our ships, our trains, our entire global transport sector together is dwarfed by animal farming. Now, the reason we've got to get rid of this and the reason it's so important that we replace it with better, cleaner, modern, healthier alternatives is because we need the land it takes up for something more important. Today, animal agriculture covers a jaw-dropping 26% of the ice-free surface of the planet. That is almost more than all of the forests in the world put together. We need to free that land so we can rewild it. And if we do, we could not only restore our climate, we could cool it with the huge carbon drawdown that that would bring. So how do you get farmers to buy into this? Now, what we see as the future role for farmers is a transition to plant-based farming. So you could call that veganic farming. So that's uh, doing healthy plant foods. You know, these are brilliant and crucial parts of healthy diets, but also being rewilders. Now, this has already been trialled in a great place in the world, in Costa Rica, where uh, now four decades ago, a progressive government there saw that they were destroying their rainforests. But if they paid farmers with government subsidies, which, let's be honest, all farmers are completely subsidised, as we know at the moment already. So let's use those subsidies to pay them for good things like rewilding and bringing back rainforests. It's been a huge success there. And now it could be a huge success in places like Ireland, in other parts of Europe that are very dominated by animal agriculture today. Now, 
obviously not every single farmer is going to be able to transition to this future. And so we're calling on governments to step up and massively support farmers into this transition because it's going to be a bumpy ride and they're not going to be able to do it without us and taxpayers' support. A critical component of this food revolution is precision fermentation farming. What is this and how does it work? Essentially an advanced form of brewing, just like we would make a nice craft beer, only now, thanks to breakthroughs in food technology and the programming of microorganisms that we use to brew things, we can now do much more than just brew beer. We now can brew the exact ingredients biologically identical to those that we derive from farming and killing animals. So a classic example of this is something that's already on the market in the United States of America at the moment. It's called Perfect Day Dairy. And that uses genetically engineered microorganism, yeast, something we're all very familiar with. But this yeast, when brewed in a fermentation tank, produces milk instead. And when I say milk, I mean literally the biologically identical protein, casein and whey that we get from milk. Now, this is a huge breakthrough because if you do it with precision fermentation, you use the tiniest tiniest fraction of land, of water, of energy, of of just about every environmental resource than farming an animal to do the same thing. Now, one of the great things about precision fermentation is it's proven. It's tried and it's tested already. So globally today, 99% of the insulin that diabetics use used to come from pigs. Now, 99% comes from precision fermentation. 80% of rennet used in cheesemaking, also from precision fermentation, and almost all the citric acid, the vanilla flavouring, the strawberry flavouring, you name it, loads of things we're eating already come from this. But now, most importantly, we can do those animal proteins that we all associate with milk, with cheese, with steak, with burgers. This can all now be done with precision fermentation if governments allow it onto the market, as they are doing in the US, Singapore and elsewhere. Joel, some of our listeners may be wondering if these new farming techniques could compromise the taste of the food. Important thing to notice is that uh, if these things taste really terrible, then uh, 80% of the cheese that you're eating would taste terrible too, because precision fermentation rennet is in there as well. But in terms of the new products that are you know, more closely completing that full analogue of an animal product, so full precision fermentation cheese and dairy, they're doing remarkably well in the markets where they're there. They're really taking off in Singapore. In the US, you can now buy not only precision fermentation milk, but precision fermentation ice cream under the brand Brave Robot. And the reviews of this are fantastic. People say, this just tastes just like ice cream. It just tastes exactly the same. For us to achieve real scale in relation to the change from traditional animal agriculture to precision-based fermentation farming, it's going to take a long, long time to achieve this, isn't it? Well, yes and no. Now, firstly, the realism. The world is going to be eating more animal products in the short term, and that's largely thanks to the global south catching up in development terms, and that does come with eating more meat. But in terms of the wealthy global north that's currently eating fast, far more meat and dairy than it could be possibly fair for the rest of the world to eat. Indeed, the numbers are clear if everyone ate the diet of a European. There simply would not be enough land. We need two more planets worth of land to feed us. Now, it's in those places that actually the change could be very, very quick. And here's the reason why it could be extremely quick and really catch businesses out. Now, a lot of meat and dairy today doesn't go directly to the consumer in a way you would recognise it. So when you kill a cow... 60% of it goes to ground beef. A huge percentage of that goes into business-to-business sales. So it goes into a processed lasagna, or some of it goes into dog food, or it goes into a meat pie. There's so many different places you eat meat as a secondary product. Now, same is true with milk. 30% of milk is actually sold as a powder. It's turned into powder and sold to other businesses to make cakes and cheese and such like. Now, it's in those places that we expect precision fermentation could cause rapid disruption. 
because essentially it's just swapping out something that a business buys, a ground meat product. They, as long as it's cheap, they'll buy it. A ground you know, powdered milk product, businesses will buy it as long as it's cheap. So imagine this for the dairy industry. Imagine if in the next five, 10 years, which is what the analysts are predicting, precision fermentation has replaced 30% of the business model of dairy by producing that protein powder that it produces, that 30% that gets sold to businesses. Well, the dairy industry is already operating on absurdly tight margins. Knock out that business-to-business sales, that 30% that it sells as powdered milk, and it's game over. They're going to have to raise prices. As they raise prices, people will switch more to alternatives and buy dairy milk less, and you'll get into a death spiral of falling demand, rising prices, something we've seen before with, uh, say, the rise of the automobile replacing horses a century ago. So if that 30% target is achieved, what benefits could this farming technique deliver from a land-sparing perspective? So the land-sparing potential of precision fermentation is is literally the greatest of any technology or perhaps any environmental policy that we could implement today. So our numbers, and they're in our Reboot Food report, which you can find on rebootfood.org, demonstrate that we could feed the entire world's protein supply, we could create the entire world's protein on an area of land smaller than Greater London, for example. And the, the reason we can do that is that microbial protein, precision fermentation protein, can be up to 40,900 times more land efficient than uh, protein produced from beef, for example. I mean, it's astonishing. That's essentially a numerical way of saying precision fermentation doesn't really use land at all. It's almost completely independent from it. Now, if we did this, we could today rewild three quarters of global farmland. That's the area currently used for animal agriculture. But we could go even beyond that. That's what you'd get if you've got a world vegan diet. But precision fermentation can also replace some of the most harmful plant products as well. Palm oil, coffee, chocolate, for example, can all now be produced using precision fermentation. And whilst you wouldn't want that for the speciality versions of, say, your chocolate or your coffee, for the most part of the stuff that goes into processed food, well, if it could be replaced with that, you could spare even more land. We could look at 80, maybe even more percent of global farmland spared. And finally, if we fail to alter our food production techniques quickly enough, what fears do you have for the environment? Oh, I mean, it, this whole thing has to be placed in the context of a potential planetary catastrophe. Uh, we're not just talking about sort of an assault on nature at the moment. We're talking about a kind of cascading collapse of our global ecosystems. And the simple reason for that is we're taking up all the space that those ecosystems need to exist. And where we're letting them exist, we're polluting them massively with the outflow and the offflow of things like animal agriculture. So I'm, I'm deeply concerned. Um, and uh, to be honest, if it wasn't for the hope I had, thanks to things like precision fermentation and rewilding, I would be extremely despairful. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Joel Scott-Hawks from Replanet. And it will be interesting to see if the EU will become an advocate for precision fermentation farming. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast.